0: This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. This is another installment of Two Minutes Uninterrupted. On these short episodes, coaches are given two minutes to discuss their coaching philosophy and ideas about the game. After that, we talk about the topics that they touched on and try to extract at least one gold nugget that you can leave with. The guest on this episode is Michael Prunty. So a big thank you to Michael for coming on the show. You can connect with him on Twitter by searching at Coach Prunt. That's at Coach P-R-U-N-T. And you might remember Michael from a previous episode of the 343 podcast where we spent about an hour discussing a bunch of other stuff uh, regarding youth soccer, college soccer, and American soccer in general. So make sure you check that out as well. If you enjoy these episodes and you are an ambitious coach that is looking for a powerful and proven coaching education program to help you get the results that you want on the field, you should check out the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. It is a possession-based soccer program that has been successfully implemented by coaches of all levels, including the Development Academy, high school, and college. David Copeland Smith, the founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. He said, "In a quote, honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches, end quote. The Premium Membership gives you 24-7 access to video lessons, eBooks, and audio recordings that help you learn the 343 philosophy and methodology. You can learn more about the benefits of the Premium Coaching Membership Program by visiting 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. I hope that you enjoy this two-minute chat with Coach Michael Prunty. cool no need to uh kind of go through the pleasantries with you you're a 343 podcast veteran so um we'll just jump right in you're gonna get two minutes uninterrupted to talk about your coaching philosophy or your ideas about coaching soccer or your ideas about american soccer whatever whatever you feel like you want to talk about for two minutes um i'll I'll let you know when you got about 30 seconds left and then uh that'll kind of cue you to to start wrapping things up and then about five seconds left i'll give you another warning if you're still going sound good all right sounds good all right, cool. And then uh, once you're all done, we'll, we'll spend, uh, I don't know, like 10 minutes or so talking about it. That works for me. All right, cool. Uh, so here is two minutes uninterrupted from Michael Prunty. All right, go ahead take it.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to, um, I think it's important to know the root of my philosophy and my view on the game comes from my experience as a youth and collegiate player in the U.S. Um, in my time and as a player and as, um, as a coach, the game always appeared to be more based on certain separate moments surrounded by chaos. So my philosophy is based on I want my teams to play the role of the protagonist in a, through, the, through the use of possession and want to make the game predictable for our team but unpredictable for the opposition. So we start from building from the back, looking to create the platform and advantages to consistently reach our final third to create goal-scoring chances. So for us, we, we view possession as a tool, a tool that we use to manipulate the opposition individually and as an organization to create advantages as we then were able to move up the field to reach our attacking goal. Uh, Very similar defensively. uh, We also look to play a proactive role in controlling the space our opponent is able to play in. Um, We want to really dictate how they play their game, and part of that is disrupting their chosen style of play, so we have to be able to identify how they want to play and disrupting that. Transitionally, it's very similar. Again, we're looking to try to shorten the moments of transition in our game. So uh, we view transition as chaos, and so we're trying to take the chaos out of the game as much as possible. So we're looking to move into our attacking and defensive phases as quickly as possible. We believe that if we win the transitional moments more, we're going to win more games, more often. Uh, from a methodology perspective, we use something we call like the framework of freedom. So we we provide our players positional structure and we layer key 30 concepts. Thirty seconds. Um, but at the same time, we ask that they um, are able to become decision makers. So problem solvers, understanding that they it's a player driven game and we give them the freedom to solve the the problems within our framework. So some of our key concepts include body shape, proactive movement, support of the ball, play what you see, your action leads to the next action, pursuit of space, third man, controlling the rhythm of the game, occupation of space between lines, and creating wide overloads when we can.
0: Boom. You practiced.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't practice, but I'm glad it came right down at the – pretty time,
0: pretty well yeah dude you had like three or four seconds of spare that was rad um okay uh quick refresher tell tell people um tell people where where you're from where you're coaching and, and a little bit about your uh your your coaching background like number of years you you've coached or levels you've coached at uh
1: yeah so uh, i'm from i currently live in cedar rapids iowa which is about three hours west of chicago you're trying to envision it um currently i'm the head women's soccer coach at co college in cedar rapids iowa I also have a role within Iowa Soccer Association's ODP program. Uh, so I coach the 0-4 girls and an experience on the boys' side as well. Prior to my time here, I was a high school coach. Um, spent time as a high school coach in the area and then a, a teacher as well. I've had roles as a head men's college coach, uh, assistant to both men's and women's programs at the college level. I've been an assistant director of coaching at the club level, been a staff coach, a team coach, um, you name it, at the club level. I started coaching when I was actually 19 as a high school assistant. And so I think that puts me now at 18 years of experience as a coach, working my way up and kind of through the, the different paths as as they work. So I, I have experience across all levels, which uh, I think is important because I've had the chance to work with players. Right now I'm coaching my daughter's academy group at five years old and I've led four-year-old groups. And obviously I work with 22, 23-year-old men and women as well. So I've kind of covered the gamut when it comes to ages and genders.
0: That's cool, man. Um, if people want to hear you talk at length, we recorded a very, very good podcast episode uh, a few months ago, and so I'm going to link to that in the write up of this. But I want to I want to go back and focus on uh, real quickly some of the things that you mentioned in in your two minutes. And so there were two things that I wrote down. Well, there's more than two things I wrote down, but these two things I put a star next to. You use the word yep. disrupting. Um, when you started to talk about when your team is in the, the defensive phase or the transition phase. And then you also mentioned chaos multiple times. I thought that was pretty interesting. And so um, you you said that you you identify those moments of transition as chaos. But what I'm wondering is, by identifying those moments of chaos, does, does that eliminate a little bit of the chaos from your team's perspective? So d- do you guys go into... Those transitional moments with a plan so it's less chaotic for you, more chaotic for the other team? Is that kind of the goal?
1: Yeah, so we, um, yeah, because we know like unexpected turnovers, like a technical breakdown or a mispass, or just, you know, we all make, there's going to be errors in the game. Uh, if we're able to proactively predict and see and um, prepare with our shape, obviously in possession, out of possession, we can better than deal with that chaotic moment. Um, and that's the whole idea. So we, so all of our training exercises include the four moments of the game so that we constantly can hit on those moments and try to how quickly can we recognize and then reorganize. Um, and that's that chaos. I always just viewed the youth game as, as it's chaotic, it's messy. And can we, on our end, remove as much of that as possible?
0: What are What are some of the things that you want your players to do immediately after a turnover or immediately in that, transition from offense to defense are there are 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 there things that you're looking for like every single time or is there like a a kind of like a general rule that you give your players like hey this is what we need to accomplish right away
1: yeah we we use the idea of we give them and this is part of that freedom perspective so it matters on where we're at in the field so let's say you know we're in the middle third we've turned the ball over we want immediate pressure to slow down their ability to counterattack. So we lose the ball. Can the nearest person at least slow their, their counterattack? And then we use uh, the term or the terms, multiple terms, recovered angles. So the rest of our team then starts to recover back and in at angles to reduce the ability to penetrate and get directly to our goal. So everyone's recovery angles are back and in. And that kind of tightens up our shape and denies the ability to counterattack. And then from there, we're able to then shift into our defensive phase.
0: It's funny, you're reminding me of a, of a term that I used to use with the, uh, let's see, they were 1998, I think, but at the time they were like 11 year old girls. Um, or maybe maybe they were 12, I can't remember. But we, I was trying to teach them about defensive transitions. And we, uh, again, used a very similar philosophy of a kind of like back and in, um, but to give them an idea of exactly where they should be retreating to every every single time, I gave them like, a, a sp- like one spot and we called it the party spot for the kids and oh, yeah. and, and, and they, they loved it. Like they would laugh all the time, whatever, but it stuck with them. But the party spot was the PK spot. And so like everybody retreats and that, like, that's where you guys are all trying to meet if and, and, and when it gets, you know, if, if the ball continues to advance into our half and we need to defend, everybody should be shrinking towards the party spot or the PK spot. So that's where everybody kind of congregates. And that's where we're at our smallest. And then when we,
1: yeah, we use, like a funnel metaphor. Yep. I even draw it on the field. So they say like, as the closer we get to the our goal, defensive goal, the tighter our shape gets defensively. So it just continues to shrink. Um, but yeah, the back and angles, I mean, it's a pretty common uh, cue for me from a coaching perspective. It's just always backing in, backing in, yeah, um, or, recover at, or recover at angles, so they kind of understand what that means.
0: Yeah, and it's so funny. Like uh, I'm sitting here, and I was doing the motion with my hands as, as if like people can see me. I'm like, okay, I I guess uh, I'm I'm not used to podcasting. Um yeah. But but, uh, but a thing that you just mentioned too is like you, you're you're telling players to come back and in when you're without the ball, and so many times on the offensive side of it, you hear coaches yelling up and in. Like on goal kicks or on on um, set pieces or free kicks or something like that. So it's kind of like a like a a weird anti um, thing. I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. It's, it, it just popped into my head, but um, but yeah,
1: it's the up and in is like it's one of the things that just hurts my soul every yep. time I hear it. Yep. It's one of the things I I fight and I my team like I they'll see my like head slightly implode when when I took over a new club team and they were very good players, but. You know, they'd set the ball to play out and right away the goalkeeper said nope this isn't on up and in And i'd be like nope nope stay where you're at you can still play <laughs> and to get them to like because it's just such an easy default so the all the all that responsibility shifted off the goalkeeper and the center back and they completely just pass it on and that's like one of those moments of chaos i talk about like no matter how good you are in the air whatever it is if you're living on second balls it's tough to consistently control the game through that
0: living on second balls i'm writing that down it's like a remix to a Bon Jovi song, yeah. <laughs> the soccer, the soccer version. Um, tell me, tell me how often you're, you're training like this defensive transition aspect eliminating this chaos during defensive transitions. And uh, I guess uh, another uh, follow-up question would be uh, what's the, what's the breakdown to um, uh, attacking focus training versus defensive focus training? Like how like a percentage, how much are you doing of each?
1: Yeah, you know, so our typical if you're looking at like what a typical training session looks like, you're looking at like a, a rondo, four v two, four v one, five v two, six whatever your you know, numbers are that day, into a positional rondo, a positional game. And then you're looking at like a phase of play, like a half field focused on either, you know, defensive shape, attack you know, whatever it may be the focus that day, and then obviously a larger game. Um that's part of the typical. Obviously there's differences there, but in those initial rondos and the positional rondo, we use, we, we include that defensive transition right away. May it be you know, it's 4v2, the two in the middle can try to dribble out of the space when they win possession or they try to make an exit pass as we call it. So they win the ball and they try to then make a pass out or they win the ball and then they can score a goal right away. Uh, so we, we always include those moments in all of our rondos. So though we're maybe focusing on possession that day or building out from the back in a 4v4 plus 3, the defenders have all the players have transitional moments they have to deal with as well. So that helps. So probably the amount of time where I say like we're focusing on defensive transition, it might happen, you know, in a college season, you know, it actually builds more as, as the season progresses, just because that's just the nature of the college game. But, you know, we might be hitting on it once or once every other two weeks where we actually have a session where we're really driving home those points, but we train it on almost daily basis, if that makes sense. It's just not something that we're going to like sit out and be like, all right, today we're really focusing on this. It's just part of everything we do. Um, and now it's probably more typical. The balance is very similar to we probably spend more time on the attacking phase. Um, I think it's much, much tougher to create than it is to destroy. So we we devote more time on our attacking phase. Um, and obviously through that, the reverse, you get repetitions of defending and transition to that as well.
0: So, I'm also curious. This, this will be my last question for you. Um, yeah, How how different are the exercises that you're using when you're teaching that that defensive transition moment like is it a completely different session like the like then then the rest of the two-week cycle that, that you kind of described like every two weeks you're 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 kind of throwing that in so is it, is it something completely different or are you using the same exercises and just changing the emphasis in those exercises oh
1: okay, we use the same exercises um and you know well let's say for example you know we have if we play from a 4-3-3, it's very common that we would face a 4-4-2 diamond. And so we're playing a positional rondo, 8-4 v and the 4 in a diamond shape. So then we're preparing how to transition to stop that diamond from, they win possession, and we're trying to then stop that diamond from gaining attacking shape and then leading to a counter. So that's probably how an exercise structure might change, but that activity we've done in different forms, but we do – change the structure slightly based on upcoming opposition and what, and what we're trying to focus on as well. But there, are, we, we have a very small catalog, not small, but not a large catalog of exercises that obviously we change and manipulate to get what we need out of it. But, um, given our, just the college game in general, we can't waste any time on trying to get them to learn new exercises. So it just is, it's a fruitless pursuit.
0: How long did it take you to, to narrow down that catalog of exercises? Because I'm sure that at one point you were like me where you have, you probably still have them, but like binders of exercises. Yes.
1: Oh, I have a Dropbox. That's just crazy <laughs> of stuff. Um, I, it's probably been, it's probably taken, I've been consistent with it probably the last five to six years. And so out of that 18 years I've been coaching, I mean 12 years was me meandering through different exercises and always in search of the next one. But probably the last five or six years I've really been able to hone in on my style and that obviously then drives everything you do in training and makes, you know, how you develop and pick training sessions much easier.
0: Tell people where they can connect with you either on social media or you, do you still update your, your blog? Is that correct?
1: Yeah. It, it, it's been probably since this winter. Um, I typically start getting going on it again in the summer. Uh, now that students are off campus and I have a little bit of time to do more studying, but, uh, you know, Twitter's at coach Crunch, Um, and then, there's a link to the blog as well. Um, I'm starting to kind of go back and reread it. Um, it's nice to have a refresher to some of the ideas I once had. Um, I actually reread the one on chaos that I wrote, and it was kind of a nice refresher before I spoke to you. So
0: That's cool. Yeah, was, uh, the, the first episode that I recorded of this style of um, of podcast interview was actually with John Burklow And John Burklow, um was somebody that I was reading a lot of when he was writing like four, five, six years ago. And he kind of yeah. he, he stopped writing, but we what we ended up talking about was how cool it is that he has those thoughts, you know, forever uh, from from six from six years ago, and and he said that he's changed quite a bit, but he can always go back and revisit those thoughts, and he it, it kind of just it, it shows where he was moving towards, and then he eventually left where he was six years ago, and then now he's in a, in a spot where you know, his, his coaching ideas all stem from what happened back in the day, but they weren't complete thoughts then. It was really, really cool to hear John talk about it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's not, yeah, it's good. And when you, and that's probably one of the benefits of my coaching situation is I have some of those down times to where I can really reflect on it.
0: So that's cool, man. Um, all right. Well, uh, it, like I said, if people want to hear a little bit of a longer uh, chat between you and I, we have, I think our conversation was over an hour last time and they can find that on uh, 343coaching.com if they want to connect with you uh, at Coach Prunt on social media, on Twitter, and from there they can find your blog. Uh, Michael, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for for just continuing to be part of the network of, of 343 Coaches. I really love it, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast and a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review. And I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right. We'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.